0: my headphones charles
1: turning it hello 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 everybody one and all welcome to yet another very exciting episode of the friends talking fantasy podcast my name is charles and with me today as always is my lifelong friend and co-host dylan
0: I'm ready to talk some fantasy with my friend, Charles.
1: I am ready to talk some fantasy with my friend as well, Dylan, and not just any fantasy today. Because a kind of episode like this only comes like 14 times. (laughs) And that could only mean... Maybe 15 (laughs) if we
0: read the prequel. Potentially
1: 15. (laughs) So this doesn't happen every day. And uh, that could only mean that we are continuing our discussion, our buddy read... Of The Wheel of Time by Robert Jordan. Today, we are discussing book three, The Dragon Reborn. Yeah,
0: and I'll tell you, Charles, this has been my favorite of the three Wheel of Time books that we have read so far, and we'll get a little bit more into that, Mm -hmm. but since we have read three books, I want to give a heads up that in these buddy read discussions, we do have spoilers up through the books that we have read so far in the series. So that means if you haven't read up to book three yet, that's the dragon reborn, what this episode is about. Then if you're interested in the series, now's a great time to go pick this series up and catch up before the show comes out. But If you don't want any spoilers, you might want to turn this down in your headphones right now before we get into this episode and then come back later when you're ready to hear the whole thing.
1: That's well said, Dylan. I'll also add that if you've only read the first three books, you're in the right place. We're not spoiling anything after book three either. We better not, because (laughs) I've not ever read past book (laughs) three. Exactly. Dylan is not capable of of it, so So, it's all on me. And Dylan's going to keep me honest here. And yeah, Mm -hmm. so welcome. Let's get right into it. Your favorite book so far. I think that's fair. Um although I would say I think there's moments in The Great Hunt that are really stand out for me but I think yes. as a whole like the dra- uh the Dragon Reborn is a is a better book but man the highs of The Great Hunt are higher than the highs in Dragon Reborn I would say. I would
0: agree with that. I think like Nynaeve's yes. test to to become accepted yes. that sticks out as one of the most memorable moments
1: that we've had yet uh, all the Damani was in the great hunt that had me yeah. pulled in more than anything else but yeah. is number 1 i would say i hear you and then the demani but then a lot of stuff in this book so right well i think i'm just so I, i'm starting to figure this
0: out more and more about myself as we're reading Wheel of time is i'm i'm so character focused that i find if i like reading about uh, a particular character it pretty much like doesn't really matter if they're doing anything Mm -hmm. or not and I prefer that even to like really epic things happening with characters that I don't care as much about and Mm. I'll say we got a lot of time with my favorite character in this series in this book, Egwene, really. Uh Got a I was gonna ask you which character are we
1: dancing around here? And it's Egwene. Oh, not
0: dancing around, yeah. I mean, if there's a character that loves dancing, it's probably Egwene
1: and (laughs) there's no reason
0: to dance around her we got a lot of time with her. She Mm -hmm. gets a ton of lot going on around her searching for those black aja and all that stuff Mm. so i i enjoyed that we got a lot more of her and we also didn't get a ton of a character that (laughs) we usually get a lot of (laughs) which is rand yes Uh, right that's the least rand that we've gotten maybe
1: ever by a long shot but you know what to me it was more impactful than when we were in Rand's head all the time. And that's one of the things that I wanted to talk about towards the beginning of the episode is Robert Jordan's restrained use of Rand in a book (laughs) called The Dragon Reborn, right? So I just always, this book always stood out to me as the one where Rand is kind of off doing his own thing and we don't really get in his head that often. I mean, the first two books he's, the overwhelming majority of the POV time in both books. And now he's kind of off doing his own thing. And it's interesting to like be checking up on him every once in a while throughout the book, but it's very light and he's going through some confusing stuff. He's like figuring stuff out and he's kind of like a mystery. And that to me was more interesting than anything he's done in the other two books just personally.
0: Yeah. I mean, the Rand stuff, I, I said in the last episode that we did on this series, in our Great Hunt episode, I said that I'm much more interested in other people's perspectives of Rand mm-hmm. than I am of Rand himself, right. and I think that a book that gives you the chance to get a lot more perspective on Rand because of the way that the plot is moving around him, even if it's not actually centered in his head to the same extent that we usually get. I think the book was well served by that. And I think actually uh, in that way, I I think that was part of the thing that made the dragon reborn stick out here was this, this Rand stuff. It's like, he's such a a strong uh, Mm Taviran. Is that that how you say it, Charles? Uh, So such a strong Taviran that the world, the the wheel just weaves everything around him, right? Uh If he passes through a town, then he'll just basically force this almost destiny to start moving way faster. And like people start getting married and these (laughs) big events start happening. (laughs) yeah. Because it's just like, oh, well, Rand came through here and he makes the things start going toward their destiny. And that's a big Wheel of Time bit. And I feel like, what's kind of cool here is that the Taviran the t- 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 bit is about that and t- getting to be a lot more in the heads of the people who are getting pulled in all sorts of directions by Rand <laughs> helps us understand this kind of Rand obsession that was going on in the yes. great hunt where it's like, he doesn't even really have to be involved that much and everything still moves around him because of who he is as the dragon reborn. So it made me kind of like, get it more with rand and i really appreciated the way that jordan chose to implement his
1: character you know, yeah that's really well said because the first two books how many times are we told oh i'm not the dragon reborn i'm just the shepherd or oh he is the dragon reborn he's going to be so powerful right. he's Tavir and he pulls people around him like we've been told this non-stop for two books two pretty decently long books and then now we finally get to see i know dylan another thing that we always love in characters is that they're proactive and rand finally is like i'm going off like i just gotta go and he's finally starting to to channel and all these other things and like use the one power and like his As he's getting more unhinged and he's more free with the power, we start to see the effect it has on the world. And like you said, it's so interesting to watch like Moraine and and Perrin walk in his wake kind of. Yes. And they're like, oh, we know he's been here because a thousand people just got married in a really weird way. Or, oh, this person fell off a tower and is totally fine. It was like that's only something that uh, Rand's influence could do and it's pulling them along as well so it's so interesting and then we get those moments where Rand is fighting dark hounds and all these other things yeah and and by the time we get to him at the end it kind of makes him a little more epic because we don't know what he's been up to and what he's capable of and like we've always seen him as the whiny kid who claims he's a shepherd and we're watching him kind of grow a little bit in this book and that was uh refreshing for the Rand character for sure and his arc
0: yeah here's the way I see it Charles and I'm only three books into this 14-book series, so (laughs) give me a break if I'm way off here. But I feel like the Rand arc to this point, the first couple books were about Rand accepting that he, accepting to himself that he is the Dragon Reborn, Mm -hmm. and then this book entitled The Dragon Reborn was about everyone else coming to realize that he is indeed the true Dragon reborn right and it kind of ends with that where the the great hunt ended with this moment of like rand is like okay fine i'm the dragon reborn right i get it and then this one ends with everyone else being like okay he's wielding calendar this guy so you like the dragon what you're saying
1: is the great hunt is rand accepting he's the dragon reborn and the dragon reborn is rand proving that he's the yes. dragon reborn, and other people accepting him, right? That's the outright the, the proving like, element. Yes. Like, okay. He's proven it. He's got Kalandor, He's slayed all these yes. all these dark friends. Like, okay, I I get what he's uh, you know. And then all the Aila you know, like, we we're with you now, Rand. Right, and
0: and so Charles, I think this all wrapped these first three books up for me in a way where the first two books and Rand's constant reluctance Mm -hmm. around this. Oh yeah. I'm a shepherd (laughs) from the two rivers and all this stuff that made him come off a little bit bratty and not as proactive as we often like with our protagonists. I think the way that this all went and Jordan's use of Rand in this very restrained way here just made it all feel so much more deliberate and all As this like building toward who Rand eventually becomes where now we as readers get to see him in the Dragon Reborn a little bit more through the eyes that all these other people are seeing him through where it's like this is just some epic dude who shows (laughs) up and like wrecks Bealzaman out of nowhere (laughs) with his channeling ability being ridiculous. Yeah. and it's like oh that's why everyone's obsessed with rand yeah. when we're in his head and he's like i'm just a shepherd it's like <laughs> why does anyone care about you yeah. but it, it all feels like building now toward what he started to become and i mean there's so much more to read that i can only imagine how much more epic he's going to become from here but i don't know it the dragon reborn just tied that together so much better for me so yeah and i think it
1: all comes back to robert jordan's restrained use of him because like you said we get the same impression that everyone else gets when he just shows up on the scene at the climax of this novel and is just wielding the one power and and slaying people and having this historic artifact the calendar to like these huge walls of flame and he's just busting people you know it's it's like okay wow like they're like rand has been doing his thing on the sidelines and now we're actually seeing him in this new light you know um which i think was easier to do when we've been removed from him for so long it's like okay he's like not the same person that he was in the first two books like that journey from you know when he leaves the mountains of mist to eventually making it all the way to the stone it's like okay he's like clearly been affected by his ability to channel and what he was doing off on his own and and we finally get to see him in that new light and accept him really as the dragon reborn which we like knew was inevitable but it, it was hard to see him that way when we were in his head for so long yes
0: and when the i mean this is something that i'm starting to realize how well jordan does of this is when we the reader get to experience things in the way that our characters do that's when the reading experience is very strong Mm -hmm. i think Uh, and i i get that we were supposed to be experiencing this constant like reluctance and this constant oh no like i how could i actually be this when i'm uh, a shepherd we've been supposed to experience that the whole time and we weren't supposed to Necessarily see Rand as just this awesome epic hero, despite the fact everyone was treating him that way. And now, uh, I guess I, I learned that Jordan is capable of. Like, I, I trust Robert Jordan more as an author after this. Like, <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, I guess fair. which is I like. I know he's. I we've said he's on the Mount Rushmore <laughs> yeah. of fantasy authors, I and I think that's fair. And I know so many people have him as their favorite author ever, and. I think I'm I'm starting to get it more. I'm starting to understand. Right, and Robert as we Jordan get further
1: away from the first book, we start to get further away from those Lord of the Rings tropes that you can't help but think about, and like this idea of oh, he's the chosen one. It's like we know that going into this, so to finally see these characters getting a little more fleshed out, going a little further beyond what we've s- seen how we've seen these tropes play out in, in in series like lord of the rings we finally get to see these characters um like natively in robert jordan's world and you know, i one of the things that stands out for me in this whole book is the restrained use of rand and i i just for sure i thought it was brilliant like imagine like not you know not seeing a certain character in lord of the rings for so long and then they just show up and wreck stuff up it's like oh wow that was like that just doesn't happen we're so close to the characters and they're epic all the time so it really like taking the time to have rand earn it it was was well done here by jordan well said charles so let's go on to some other characters here. We know we love Rand, um, great use of Rand, but uh, the Perrin got a lot of POV time in this uh, story as well. And I wonder what was your impression of uh, of Perrin as we as we went into Book Three here, or by the end of it now. Mm.
0: He started off really strong, mm-hmm. I felt like. And I was, you know, I, I sent out a tweet, Charles, that was a poll asking hashtag Twitter of time, their favorite of the the Perrin, Rand, and Matt Ooh. trio there. And it was right when I was toward the Star of dra- the Dragon Reborn, I was saying that Perrin was starting to stick out to me. And I, I like this art. I know Perrin...
1: At least, you said *Parents, Parents* your favorite, right, Charles? Yeah, right? yeah. Um, I he's the most interesting to me. Like, it's a kind of trope that I feel like *Parents* kind of the genesis of. You know, it's very interesting to see his, to think about his place in the timeline of fantasy tropes. You know, that's yeah. like reluctant nobility about him. I find super interesting. Mm.
0: Nobility in the sense of like having a strong moral code. Yeah, and, like I'm he's assuming, one of the
1: Tavirin. The... He's up there with you know, he's Rand's best friend, but he's like much more, you know, he's not Rand. <laughs> he's he's like the <laughs> tier below. So the fact that he's still <laughs> Tavirin, but the tier below, like it's an interesting it's an interesting position for a character to be yeah. in. Yeah. He's kinda like the supporting role, but he's actually got some and a pretty impressive resume himself. You know, it's gotcha. it's interesting in that way. Yeah, I guess
0: noble. I was thinking of this. You know, it's there's this synonym or or not synonym. Uh, the but, word can mean like a lord is a noble, and it can also mean noble in the sense of having this almost moral fortitude. Yeah, uh,
1: he's a he's a moral guy. You mean it more and, than moral fortitude? Yes.
0: Yeah. So, I think with parent, it's this. I see what you're getting at when you compare them to characters like Jon Snow or, I know you have yeah, mentioned, like, Fitz, Fitz one. Chivalry yeah. and stuff like mm-hmm. that, uh, as these folks that maybe are of the Perrin mold, because Perrin came before both of them, mm-hmm. and I see him as almost having this, this workman-like, you know, he's a blacksmith, exactly. and he's, yeah. he is more for lack of a better way to put it, like blue collar feeling than the other characters where Rand, yeah, you know, he is a shepherd, but everyone looks at him and instantly thinks he's a lord if he wears the right clothes and Matt, will get to him more, but he's got this sort of like roguish charm to him that starts to emerge in this book. But Perrin's kind of a simple dude with a simple understanding of the world and he's not wrong, I think, for seeing things that way, but it's a little more like black and white. He does, he's not an overthinker, and he's willing to do what it takes, whether he likes it or not. Right. And I think he's, yeah, he's got something to him. I will say he came in last.
1: Charles in yeah that does Which that surprised doesn't surprise me. me like I get some Faramir vibes from him kind of where it's like this is a really interesting guy but he's just in the shadow of other characters right you know? he, He's just not doing the cool stuff Rand is doing, or and certainly in this book, he's not doing the cool stuff Matt's doing. Matt's doing some really interesting stuff. Um, yeah. Rand, uh, Perrin is just like I'm following Rand. <laughs> it's like okay, like <laughs> how can you be the voted the best character when all you're doing is following one of the other characters? You know, it's like th- there's only yeah. so much being interesting can can get you. Um, so that's kind of always how I felt. It's like the the Faramir condition. <laughs> it's like. You know, Boromir did all the interesting stuff. Second fiddle, yeah, second fiddle for sure. But like, yeah, I like Faramir here. as a character so much, and I like parents so much. I like I kind of appreciate these characters that because they're not in that main role, they have some breathing room to have some really interesting thoughts and come up with some really interesting ideas and philosophies, and th- they're not so caught up in the in the plot they can kind of be their own person a little bit and they have that flexibility right. and Perrin is like that which always interests yeah. me
0: yeah it's interesting cuz this Tavir and bit it almost feels like what jordan has done is made this like plot focused uh storytelling a part of the literal like narrative, if that makes sense. Because it's like, there's certain things that Rand has to do for the plot. And in a less deft author's hand, they might just make that start to happen in a way that doesn't feel at all true to the characters or true to the world or true to the story. But in Robert Jordan's hand, he's like, well, what if I just make that a force that is a part of my world, <laughs> yeah. and then everything starts to fall into place. The threads and feel of the pattern, justify <laughs> Yeah, and because it, 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 and it's it's just very interesting because it's like I don't know, it's it's kind of clever,
1: and oh, yeah. I think that
0: so Rand it almost needs to be more plot focused because he's the strongest Taviren, and there are certain things that he has to to almost play out the way that the wheel weaves. Mm -hmm. And it's like Perrin, I, I don't know enough about Wheel of Time yet to say where he ranks in the Taviran rankings here, but I would feel pretty confident he's well below Rand. And I would say he seems a little bit less like tugged by the Taviran string than even his mat. And that does give him more autonomy to kind of be his own
1: person and at the same time like, though is he is the one in this book that gets to say like these eyes said i they're pulling me along like i don't i don't listen to them yet i'm gonna follow them to. still you know so like that's that parent got that role this time around so it's like oh okay another one of these where it's like i don't like i can't trust her like i don't, like i i just want to be a blacksmith but okay i'm gonna keep following her and do whatever she says yeah <laughs> so it's you know he can't escape it too much but it's part of the pattern you know rand is pulling them along and and he's a part of it whether he wants to be or not which is another interesting thing that he has to balance so yeah just to see his humility and his really modest life goals balanced <laughs> against the like epic nature of like the kind of person that he is has always been interesting to me but it's one of those things where it's like yeah i don't see that being the crowd favorite. <laughs> Yeah,
0: he does get this interesting juxtaposition of wanting to like still wanting to be a blacksmith. Where I think the other characters are more and more being willing to live the, to leave their old lives behind, for sure. and Perrin is the one who's still most struggling with that. Yes, and he's also the one who, for me, it's always seemed the
1: most justified. Yeah, I like these scenes at the end where he's working at the blacksmith shop and he's taking pride in his work and the blacksmith is like, hey, you're right. pretty good. Like, you, you could keep yeah. working for me. Like, you're so much better than my last guys. And and Vail was watching him work and was into it, you know? So it's like those moments I really liked for Perrin and that's in this book kind of where he shined. And you get you really get to see the sense of like, this again this idea of like oh i I am a good blacksmith i enjoy doing this this is all i really want from life but then there's this tevere in nature that's pulling me and then i can't ignore either and you really see him balancing that and then obviously the heavy-handed metaphor of the hammer and the axe like in the same spot against the wall right right? like oh which one am i gonna wear today you know so um (laughs) it's it's just that was his arc in this book (laughs) so (laughs) (laughs) yeah
0: no i think I think it's pretty good with Perrin and yeah, that's kind of why I was trying to get at with the justified bit, but you said it so well, Charles mm-hmm. is this idea that he's uh... Like if it, I, it just it feels true to his character that he's still dealing with that. Mm. While the Rand, when he Rand was really struggling, I'm just a shepherd. It's like we've this. never seen yeah, you like, interact dude. with a sheep ever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you do not seem to have a lot we of passion see Karen, for sheep. Like
1: walking into a blacksmith shop, it's like you exactly. could be doing anything, and you choose to go to work at a blacksmith shop in your downtime. It's like that's my hobby. It's what I like you know to what? do.
0: You know what else it is, Charles is like parents built for blacksmithing. Yeah, like when he's first introduced, it's like this broad-shouldered apprentice who's just as broad-shouldered <laughs> as the master, and it's like it, it's easy to imagine Parent is just falling into that role. Well, you've made fun of <laughs> Rand sometimes as being this like six foot seven, ridiculously <laughs> handsome dude walking around like I'm. Look at me, yeah, I'm just a shepherd. Like where are those sheep his, at? Yes, yeah,
1: chiseled good looks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, It's like.
0: <laughs> And it's like, dude, you stick out like a sore thumb over here. But uh, Perrin, no sore thumbs, because he's such a good blacksmith. He'd never, uh, he'd never hammer himself in the thumb over there. Very well said. And then you have Matt
1: as well, who's just like admits he's like, I can never go back to that. That was horrible. (laughs) Yeah. Immediately, he's like, let's do this adventure and gambling all day long. For sure. uh, Like that's all I want. Which it's so funny to see the three of them kind of like. In the same situation, but how they handle it from the nature of their character, you know, and they're well three said. very different ends of this triangle. And Perrin was just the one that I feel like is the most, has been the most believable since the beginning. Like you said, Randy he kept saying he's a shepherd from the two rivers. And you're like, dude, you were never a shepherd from the two, <laughs> Look two rivers. Yeah. <laughs> <We're Perrin laughs> Look at him, Look at one of those bazillion mirrors <laughs> in your
0: dreams of Beelzebub. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> where it's like dude you not not the case but yeah i just i love these moments with perrin i don't know i got for some reason perrin pulls to me um but i gotta say for this book i think matt steals the show in my opinion and i wanted to get your opinion because like everyone you've had this thing for a while like i don't get what everyone sees in matt and i wanted to hear from you like has matt won you over yet by the end of this book I think the
0: short answer is probably yes. I'm not always the best at short answers, (laughs) but I think that he's certainly starting to is maybe the better way to phrase it. And, you know, I love these roguish characters. I really love the Lies of Locke Lamora and the Gentleman Bastard sequence, which, uh, as uh, we all know, uh, you haven't gotten the chance to read yet, Charles. Shout out to Benjamin. <laughs> and uh, <then> it's I... It's <laughs> Dylan's fault, remember that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, then... Uh, there is a falcon. Uh, fail, right? It's the falcon. Fahil, yeah, so, yeah. And you were... Cl- yeah, and you were called a falconer at some point, Charles. Yeah, by Phantology. Uh, by phantology. I don't yeah. know how to take that, <laughs> so, but I a feeling it's <laughs> probably not, not well, yeah, Charles. I don't think great out. about it. <laughs> right. So then <laughs> to move back toward Wheel of Time yes. and not uh Gentleman Bastard. You know, I love these roguish characters and that's why you and others have told me that I'm gonna really love Matt and I can definitely see that starting to show itself now and when we've got that was it our first point of view chapter of matt
1: ever charles in this book is that accurate i want to say yes that's accurate it felt and if it you wasn't, know, I wasn't like, then tracking it was it. one of the super firsts, right but i think it was i wasn't ever tracking
0: it as a like, thing i, don't know I if think i kind of took POV for granted
1: when he blew the horn of Valir or not but no i don't, I don't think so, so.
0: And as someone who knows, you know, anyone on Twitter, Time, or wherever else, if feel they free did, to it contact was like us. And
1: very brief, you know, it was never right. like Matt's the POV character. This is the first time, and this... he's got a lot of time in this book as well. Oh, so. a lot, yeah. And my first
0: reaction when we started to get in Matt's head was like, "RJ, what have you been doing? <laughs> having this character that has so much personality." I know just like in the back seat, unconscious, trying to deal with the dagger situation. It's like, dude, you had like a 1,500 pages or whatever before this to start having this character out there doing these interesting and fun things. And he finally started to do that. And I was, it was like from the first POV with Matt, I was immediately like, okay, like, here we go. Yes, because <laughs> I could
1: just tell. Yeah, that's so well said. And Matt's just like the voice where you're like, yes, because he's the only one that like actually escapes the I said I and goes on and right. does his own thing. <laughs> and you're like, this is what all these other characters are talking about doing. And the first chance Matt gets, he's gone. And you know yes. how he always does it when he's able, when he gets that opportunity. Like, say what you will about Matt being mischievous or whatever, but he knows what he's about. And he's not ashamed to, like, make the decision that's going to get him there where it's like, oh, you can give me this paper and I can escape. Great. I'm out of here. Bye. Or it's like, oh, I can fight you guys. <laughs> like, you know, he he's the most yeah. his self-confidence is so refreshing in this book when you have to read about Matt and Perrin and you're like, finally, here's a character that knows what he's about like just wants to have fun doing his own thing and then sometimes you know he feels morally obligated to help his friends and he's willing to do that and we like him for right. that. so it's like yes finally we've got a character that feels honest that we as the audience can relate to in a lot of ways and it's juxtaposed so well against Rand and Parent who are like oh no more I said I tricks <laughs> it's like okay like then go then leave <laughs> like do what for Matt sure, did Charles, that's well said <laughs> yeah no matt gets out of there
0: as quick as he can and he he is way more proactive and committed it seems like than the other character a lot of the other characters have been so far and he's like okay well i need money for some reason my luck has gone through the roof lately and he figures it out very quickly and he's like okay well i'm just gonna keep taking people's money by gambling over and over and over again. I'll just keep going to different inns, keep getting different uh, people's money and then I'll have enough. And it's like this very uh st- like th- straight through line thinking and execution mm-hmm. without reluctance from Matt is definitely appreciated. He's got this kind of charming perspective on the world. He's yeah, he He's fun. the The luck device. We can talk more about that, but Mm. that I found that to be very interesting. Before we get there, I do want to say that the cons for me of Matt, um, as well his his interactions with women (laughs) are he's a bit old fashioned, pretty cringe old. He's I mean, like it's one of those things. I know we're told by Twitter of time to look back while both being willing to acknowledge our modern perspective and be uh, courteous to the context of when Robert Jordan was writing. But I'm like,
1: Dude, Matt, like, he's (laughs) cringeworthy. He's a bit of a a womanizer. Yeah, but not even a good one. He's like a cringy one. He's like, oh, I just want to give her a kiss on the cheek. It's like, dude, what are you talking about? What do you do?
0: Yeah, it's all this, like, stealing kisses (laughs) is like a phrase that he uses a bunch of times. I'm like, dude. Yeah. He's got very. Don't ever use that
1: phrase, please. 1950s TV. Yeah. Like, TV dad vibes to how he treats women. You know, it's like, ooh, bizarre. It's like hey lady you want to come over here for a kiss <laughs> it's like what are you ta- yeah, what are you yeah. talking about it's like Gee, i just saved your life you, and you're not gonna even like give me a smooch <laughs> and then he say that but you know it's basically like where he's where he's at and you're like ooh, uh, yeah so uh, it's
0: like matt matt gets my biggest cringes of reading this of anyone but also like when he does these interesting things with luck, it's my like biggest fist pumps probably too. So he's like, you know, I,
1: I think that it's just, I mean, you uh, could see very, him like being a cringy teenager also. Like that's just, yeah. You know, it's, it's weird to People read. People don't
0: treat him like he's doing that though. Yeah. Like, that's the yeah. world around him. Like, cause that's the thing, you know, I always use that teenager defense with "quoth and denna a lot with the king killer chronicle but the world interacts with them in a way where it's like clear that Rothfuss is getting across that they're actually like they are being kind of these like i won't get into that too much but the world (laughs) interacts with them in a way that indicates they are being teenagers about things Mm -hmm. and we're supposed to take it that way with matt it feels like The women around him are like, oh, like he is so charming, though deep down. Not the three who know him, yeah. Which maybe no, I think that's well said.
1: I think you're explaining something that I've just subconsciously also like. Why does this make me uncomfortable? And I think you kind of are touching on some really great points there. It is the fact that he's, like, you know, kind of getting away with, for lack of a better word, all these weird behavior quirks. I mean, the women around him, like, his friends don't really like him at all, which is fun to see. They see through it. Like, he saves their lives, and they still are mad at him and, like, won't thank him because they know he's, like, too in love with himself that like they don't want to give him that victory of like thank you matt for saving us exactly it'd be like (laughs) matt like we why are you here (laughs) Exactly, yeah (laughs) you know they're already frustrated with him so i like like that that. dynamic was like i just saved your bloody lives but you're not even gonna thank me and they're like be quiet matt (laughs) i'm sick of you (laughs)
0: yeah i get that yeah and i think that makes me feel as a reader like what robert Jordan's trying to get across is like well matt's so charming and quick witted at first that you just can't help but fall for him Mm -hmm. but then when you get to know him it's like this guy is uh, such a mischievous little rascal that you don't want a part of him and it's like but also he's not like if i i would think his first impression on these women that he's interacting with would not be a good one either so i think they would just like It wouldn't be this like, oh, he's charming at first, but then he's not. It'd just be like, he's creepy
1: like what is he doing yeah like don't talk so, to him that much he's kind of weird yeah. yeah
0: so I think yeah they'd just be quicker to get to where Egwene and Nynaeve are with it. and Elaine's it's pretty quick to get there too exactly so, and I
1: I really yeah. liked that relationship where they kind of reluctantly were like oh man he's the one we got to work with you know so right. they're trying to talk to him they're like hey Matt how's it going uh <laughs> <laughs> that was a good moment yeah. and Matt's <laughs> like what's going on here <laughs> it's like no one's at
0: you three would never be nice to me if you didn't want something from me yeah exactly <laughs> but he's
1: also it's a mutually beneficial arrangement he wants, yeah because so, yeah. he's like i think i know someone who'd be willing to leave the tower and, <laughs> yes. and like make a deals you know like <laughs> which that was a fun moment for me it's like you know she's talking about matt and you're like oh that's funny oh I yeah really enjoyed that that was a funny moment when she's like laughing in bed and she's like i think i know who we can get to leave the white tower and deliver that letter and it was matt and that was a funny scene you know i i do like a lot of matt moments and yeah you got to look past some of that weird stuff in his character to appreciate what robert jordan is intending to do which is write this mischievous character in a world that kind of isn't prepared for him like matt just kind of gets away with a lot of stuff and has fun doing a lot of stuff, and that's kind of his roguish qualities coming out.
0: Yeah, and I think that his roguish qualities are most entertainingly on display when he's doing stuff with luck. And there's a device that I feel like I actually haven't seen a lot in modern fantasy to make... It's another one of those things, like Robert Jordan takes these things that... Are sometimes kind of implicit. It's like roguish characters are a lot of times lucky, and like these kind of silly, rascally like incidents happen to them. And something like when he gets into that brawl with the guy, and he just flings them both off of the what well, are they off of a roof or something like right. that. And then the guy's dagger that Matt is fighting just stabs himself yeah. through the heart <laughs> just by luck, like. But Matt knows that his luck actually works really well in those random chance moments. So he does it intentionally to make that guy basically die by his own blade. And. I think it's like, you might have moments like that in a lot of stories, but very rarely do people literalize it in the way that Jordan has, where it's just like, no luck is a legitimate force that for whatever reason, has la- I yeah. still haven't. Yeah. Like loves Matt. Yeah. <laughs> and, that is going to make all of these things happen. When And Matt, I, I just love how Matt takes advantage of He just accepts luck. it. He's like, like oh, good. <laughs> take this is a thing now. <laughs> yeah. So how can I get money off of it? How can I save my life with it? How can I wield it? And it's like that reluctance that some of these other characters are, for lack of a better way of saying it, characterized by, where it's like, Rand would be like overthinking everything about it. Sure. Perrin would be like, is it even right to do this? And Matt is just like, Okay, well, yeah. how
1: do I that? And take both Rand is like, no, I'm just a shepherd. I can't channel. And right. Perrin's like, I don't, I can't talk to wolves. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, and Matt's like, like, oh, this is awesome. I'm going to go gamble <laughs> <yeah>. now. <laughs> yeah. Right. You know, so I think yeah. you, you, the crowd gets won over even more when they hear that. It's like finally someone willing to embrace the weird stuff that's happening to him, you know? Exactly. It's like Perrin's like, I can't talk to wolves. I'm shutting them out. Like, I can't hear you. I can't hear you. And you're like, oh, <laughs> dude, why? <laughs> yeah. Like, like, it's cool. You can yeah. you can hear wolves. Think all like, the stuff you could have awesome. been doing to this. Gold point. eyes. Like, Matt would have found a way to have fun right. with it by now. But it's just the nature of his character. Exactly. But he just happened to be the one that like luck favors sometimes and random chances and. He's found a way to make that work for him right away, and he embraces it. Like, I love Matt and that he's down for anything, and he's always embracing stuff. Like, he'll blow the horn of Elyar. It's like, you know you're linked to that for life yes. now, right? And he's like, uh, I guess. <laughs> yeah. He, like, you know, he takes the dagger, and, you know, he, he he's he's willing to throw himself in there, you know? And I appreciate that about Matt. Even if he doesn't know what's going on, he, he knows like, let's see what happens. Like, let's just do something and see how the dice fall. (laughs) Essentially. (laughs) Nice dice drop there, (laughs) Charles. Yeah.
0: I, I definitely appreciate that about Matt. And that's when I first started. That was like the first moment in the great hunt where I was like, Oh, like Matt, nice way to way to blow the horn and yeah. he's started to come into his own we get these povs and uh, yeah to bring it back to the the question matt's starting to win my me over i think for sure
1: yeah a hundred percent and that you know i think i'm looking forward to oh. your thoughts on Matt as these as these books develop just yeah. because he won the poll, the, he, won the poll that, the yeah, he won the poll, and the Twitter sphere keeps telling you favorite directly, favorite. like, "Oh, Dylan, you should like Matt." You know, so we're going to keep <laughs> touching back. We're going to keep going back to this point, Dylan. We're going to track your okay. opinions of Matt as the series goes on, and I'm looking forward to to more about to more about that. Um, but for yeah. now, let's go back to one of these characters who you said is your favorite, which is Egwene, and this. Moment that I said has been my one of my favorites throughout the whole series which is going through the test of the accepted Mm -hmm. uh because like we saw it with Nynaeve and we both talked a long time about how much we enjoyed that so I wanted to kind of get your reaction on how you felt about Egwene's test for the accepted now that we kind of know what to expect
0: yeah I think that I I said before Charles Nynaeve's test for the test of the accepted is it or for the test of the accepted is that accurate? yeah it's Charles? the
1: test or the trial I forget it's one sure. of
0: sure either way apologies to the, the big time fans if we're messing this up but the Nynaeve's test stuck out as more memorable just of the kind of things that were happening than than Egwene's for whatever reason or maybe the novelty of doing it for the first time in the last book and this time it was kind of like okay here we go again uh I did enjoy this part with Egwene for sure. The first couple ones, like she goes in three times
1: mm-hmm. and the
0: first couple were like, okay, okay. Like we're doing the, like she's married to Rand. It's like been there, done that a hundred times yeah. in the last book. Yeah. So I'm like, fine, whatever. Let's, let's keep rolling. Though I do have a theory from that one. Um, My, my theory is uh, there's the, there's a character that shares a name with one of the black Aja that it it's like Egwene and Rand's daughter shares oh, a name yes, yes. with yep. one of the black Aja mm-hmm. there. And they say at one point it's a uh, Joya is the yes. name. So Joya is the name of both a black Aja, so that means an Aes Sedai who like turned to the Dark One's side. Mm-hmm. And that's like the oldest of the black Aja and Elaine, I think, or someone said like, could be our grandmother's great grandmother or something like that. Um, And it was also the name of Gwen and Rand's daughter in the, one of the test of the accepted moments. Um, So I have a theory that the, like, Basically, Egwene was inhabiting a real past version of herself in this, like, turning of the wheel.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that daughter was actually this Joya
1: character. Interesting.
0: Like, of so basically, Joya is an actual, like, daughter of a past reincarnation type of thing of the wheels turning of Egwene and of the dragon reborn of that time. That's, like, the Rand equivalent. So that's my that might be nonsense, but that's my theory. But besides that, I was like, whatever, to the first one. Like, we've seen Rand and Egwene together. And then the second version of what they do is kind of this interesting moment of, like, Rand's telling Egwene to kill him, and she won't do it, basically. Mm -hmm. But it's a third one that's really interesting, which is where Egwene gets to be the Amberlin sea mm-hmm. and has Rand brought to her as kind of like, you got to do away with this. What do they call stilling? it? Uh, stilling. Yes. You've got to still him and she refuses to do it. Mm-hmm. And then she's like knocked out and she's trying to save him. And it was a really epic moment, which I was like, uh, like it's a bummer. This is a dream because this would be super, not dream, you know, but like a dream yeah, sequence trial thing and the yeah. dust accepted. And not you know, real. you know, she's going to pass, right. <laughs> You're not like, Oh, she's going to stay and save, <laughs> uh, like save this rant <laughs> that doesn't, that maybe does or doesn't exist. It's like, she's going to leave, but it felt like it'd be super suspenseful and awesome. If this was happening in a future book, and I feel like it will. So now I'm like, okay, Egwene's going to become Amberlynn. um I'm, Ammerlin, Ammerlin, not Amberlin.
1: Amberlin, i think that's how you say it that's how sometimes it's said in the audiobooks <laughs> but you know okay. it's not consistent so i thought it was really cool i think
0: though the best thing about it would have been the suspense of her trying to save rand and yeah. that part didn't feel real yet but i'm hoping that that's like a moment we'll get to actually live out in like book Twelve, or because it is interesting.
1: Like she is training to be Aes Sedai and if an Aes Sedai yeah. found out that a man was channeling, they're supposed to still them. Like that's in their DNA as Aes Sedai So like, Rand is someone is a man that can channel. So maybe he gets a pass because he's a dragon reborn, but it's still like a, a contention. You don't know, and like I will agree with you that it's like oh, we've seen these alternate universes of. um Egwene uh, and Rand play out over and over. So I don't think it was as impactful for me as the Nynaeve right. trial. But the thing that did stick out to me is when she finishes the third one, she's like complaining to all the other... I said, I was like, will I ever be free of him? Like, I get it. We're we're tied together. And she's like um, frustrated about it. Like, how much of... Like how, much, like, how does everything I have to do involves my relationship with Rand? And I think that's just like huh. the interesting nature of Tavirin and their relationship where it's like she's like figuring it out and I don't know how she's gonna react to it and you know that's one of the things that I think is what's keeping me at this point still interested in their relationship because you know it's not supposed to work but you also know that they're like hopelessly connected as well. So something doomed to fail, but also doomed to succeed at the same time. So like that kind of stuff is super like keeping me going. I would say keeping me interested very cleverly done by Jordan towards like, okay, you still don't know how it's going to play out. Like sometimes in these will, they won't they you're like, okay, whatever. Like we know one way or the other, we have our expectations, but in this one, it's like both are explored and both are kind of destined. So what the heck is what's happening? You know, so that's the mm-hmm. interesting thing about Egwene that I get from the trials.
0: Yeah, no, I never thought about it that way. We are making really interesting points, Charles. It's, that that feels like a, a second read notice is like that Egwene is super frustrated by this. Yeah. I guess to me, I was so focused on the actual events that were happening in the Accepted that I was not seeing Egwene's reaction to them as much as as you did yeah that quote just stuck
1: out with me in this read through for whatever reason maybe it's like just knowing what's what's happening going to happen like picking up on something like Uh, that's a great reaction yeah Uh,
0: it's really interesting no I'm gonna keep that in mind about Egwene. was like am
1: I never gonna be like she's just literally came through the gate she's still like naked they're pouring the cold water on her and she's like am I never gonna be like like, free of him, like, you know, like, that kind of... I forget the exact line, but it was along that sentiment. We gotta find that. That's super interesting, Charles. It's in that chapter, uh, I'll have to pull it out. But, yeah, that's the one. And that was an interesting reaction, where she acknowledges that she's hopelessly entwined with him, and she's just frustrated and and doesn't know what to do. It's like, okay, so what am I supposed to do? (laughs) It's a fair question for her. Like, imagine you just... Like, all, like, Nynaeve, her three were all different. Like, she was fighting an enemy. She was dealing with land. And then she was dealing with her home. Like, leaving her home that needed her. All three were different. Egwene, all three were ran, ran, ran. And she's kind of frustrated at this moment. She's like, mm. why is it always ran? <laughs> like... Yeah. No,
0: that's super cool. It brings it back to some of what we were talking about before, where these things where everything seems to revolve around our main character to some extent
1: mm-hmm.
0: are so well, I'll say it woven <laughs> into the actual, yeah, into the actual world and the plot. And the characters can interact with the way that they're being treated as characters yes. almost. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Wayne yeah. is kind of interacting with the idea that she is this character that's almost defined by her relationship with Rand. Yes. Meanwhile, she's trying so hard to forge her own path and do her own thing. And she accomplishes and a lot. It's like, you know? oh yeah, I, you know, you you have in the notes here, Charles, to talk about standout characters and stuff. Yeah. And I guess I'll talk more about Egwene during that and what sticks out mm-hmm. to me about her. But one thing certainly is how proactive she is compared to some of these other characters and she's out there doing this stuff and truly really trying and the w- hand of robert jordan uh <laughs> otherwise known as the way the wheel turns i guess uh uh you know the pattern keeps weaving her back toward rand and she's like i'm trying to have my own plot line
1: <laughs> Exactly. Like she kinda gets yeah. robbed of the trials and then you've got to do three different things. She got to do variations of the same thing over yeah. and over. One was land but Yeah, one was land, one. but she got to fight a guy yeah. and then she got to go back to the two rivers, you know. So she she got three different um trials to go through and it they felt different, yeah. you know, and that's what oh they that's were. what stuck out to be about and I need it. it's her. like it's interesting how that pursuit of power the and responsibility has you turning on people you love sometimes and, and that to me was super interesting and all the different ways in which she had to turn her back on what the things she loved um so yeah, so the Queen just has to turn her back on Rand over and over again. <laughs> yeah, she has to just face tragedy with Rand over and over. It's like, uh, oh, and this man. one, uh, Rand asked you to kill him, and this one, Rand kills himself, and this one, Rand does this. You are like, oh, okay, like, cool. Um, so you had mentioned it briefly, and now we're here. What are some of the standout moments, characters for you in Dragon Reborn? That we haven't talked about already. Yeah, well, I I definitely want to hear from
0: yours as well, uh, yeah, Charles. We can but go and I'll, forth. yeah, sure. Uh, let's let's start with characters, just because we were just talking about Egwene, and mm-hmm. I want to talk more about what I like about Egwene while it, it's still on topic here. I think that something that sticks out to me is that. Proactive nature of her that I was just mentioning, mm-hmm. where it's like this is a this is a series that so far has been characterized so much by these reluctant characters. Right. Um. I actually searched in my Kindle copy for how many times the word reluctant or some form of it appears <laughs> in uh the Dragon Reborn. Oh gosh. And this was probably less reluctance than some other ones. <laughs> yeah, you have to sure. it to the other book. but. <laughs> But just searching this one, in it was twenty eight times. So that's about that's more than once every two chapters is the word reluctant. So uh, that's I was like, is that a lot? Because it feels like it's a lot. Because I kept seeing that word come up over and over again. So I searched a book that's very different, Charles. Mm-hmm. I searched *The Poppy War*, which I have a Kindle copy of, and that's a character that is. Uh, Rin, the main character, it's very focused on her. Uh-huh. And she is the opposite of reluctant, I would say. Extremely proactive. Uh, the books are pretty similar length. Uh, 673 pages in paperback for The Dragon Reborn. And there's 544 pages in paperback uh, for Poppy War. Do you want to guess how many times the word reluctant
1: appears
0: uh, in some form in the Poppy War? Or you want me to just say it?
1: I'm going to guess really little, like five. Six. Nailed it. Oh, I was so, so close. That's really good.
0: <laughs> yeah, no. And only twice does it refer to our protagonist. Uh, well, uh-huh. It was really easy to find because there weren't a lot to look through. <laughs> and uh, it was, and I love Rin as a character, by the way. Uh, so that's a poppy word by Rebecca Kwong, or R.F. Kwong is what she goes by on those books. So I say all that to bring us back to Egwene. And Egwene starts to learn how to use these powers. And right from the start of this book, she's like, okay, I'm not who I used to be anymore. In chapter 11, there's this line where she says, she'd already gone beyond being an innkeeper's daughter. Those bonds would not hold her again either. Not because she hated them, but because she had outgrown them. And she's basically been in on this for a long time but just getting these a lot of point of view with her and getting her being well past that already while you know rand's finally done being a shepherd um and Perrin's still like i'm a blacksmith <laughs> we've got Egwene who's like i'm so past being an innkeeper's daughter and she's actually aware of it and she also gets these moments where they're like surrounded by these white cloaks i think it was and uh, they're like we're gonna like we're mad at you i we're gonna get you in trouble and Egwene's just sitting there, and she's probably the least powerful person in the whole mix. But she's just like, you know, like, forget these people. They're, like, th- they're annoying us. We're way more powerful than them. And uh, she just makes the ground start exploding <laughs> near them. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, this is really early in the book. I'm like, yes, Egwene. Yes. Like, thank you everyone else, like Moraine could make these people, like Moraine I don't think was there during that, but it's like, there was one the other Aes Sedai like Varen, uh, sorry if I'm getting that There's Varen Sedai, that.
1: yeah.
0: Yeah, I think Varen was there. I could be wrong. Yeah, but she one was of the actual Aes Sedai it. was there. And I was like, oh, like, I know you're not supposed to use these powers, but also like, do something. You're so much more powerful than these people, and Egwene does it. And I appreciate that about her. So she continues to stick out to me here. I like her getting to explore some of these like new powers with the dreaming and stuff like that. Yeah. And so it's her. And I also, you know, Matt steals the show too, but I, uh, I've got one, one more standout character, uh, which is Elaine. And oh. I would say she, she's kind of, like, I feel like Robert Jord- Jordan, didn't really know what to do with Elaine. Um, yeah. for, the first couple books it's like he needed this like princess in the mix uh for whatever he's working on I'm sure that I feel very confident that she's going to marry Rand eventually but she started to take on this interesting like peacekeeper role between Nynaeve and Egwene who are both very stubborn folks and at one point she just like slaps Egwene in the face yeah I was like Elaine, (laughs) like... That was pretty hard She's yeah.
1: Yeah. Egwene takes that really well, too. I would have not taken it the same way as Egwene did. Egwene (laughs) was like, oh, it's weird. You just hit me. I would have been like, what? (laughs) You did not. (laughs)
0: Yeah. But I get... I don't know. I kind of think it's like Elaine is so even-tempered. She handles herself really well. She's exactly the person... It's almost like I think her personality for Jordan seemed to start emerging when he realized who he needed yeah. to exist when Egwene and Nynaeve were being themselves. Yeah. And then like Elaine is this really interesting character who grew up in this like political court environment is able to handle these two extreme personalities <laughs> and of all those, in a way she's where she
1: the emerges one
0: as well. Yeah. And in that way she's kind of the one who is able to control though? Mm-hmm. Because the other two are so pulling in the other direction that whichever way she's Elaine kind of starts she's to like negotiate breaker. toward is usually yeah what happens. So I don't and then yeah, but when she needs to, she's willing to just slap Egwene. So I, I don't know. I was like, this is. I think that's part of why Egwene takes it well. Is like. Oh my God. Like I made a lane snap slap me. (laughs) Like I must be really out of control here. So it's like, I don't know. She really emerged in this as like, she's the, uh, maybe not my, in the like NBA or NFL, they'll give a like MVP. Right. And you know, maybe that's that, that would probably go to Rand like every year, (laughs) but, um, in this, maybe like the most valuable player in terms of like my favorite character of it is probably a gwen or Matt. Mm. Um, but Elaine gets most improved player. Yeah. That's, that's another award yeah. they give out. Mm-hmm. And she just, I think she definitely to get wins a, that a
1: voice, one. you know, and it's yeah. and it's interesting to see her fill so, that role. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And unless you have more on Elaine, I, I do want to hear your favorite, uh, char- your like, standout I don't really have too much more on Elaine. Charles.
1: Like, not a whole lot happened. Like you said, it was nice to see her doing stuff. And I feel like as Jordan goes further and further away from the eye of the world and he's starting to write characters just in situations where they're talking and chilling at Tarvalin or whatever. Um, her voice is finally being allowed to come out and it's good. right? You know, I feel like the more Jordan lets himself just be relaxed and write his characters doing yeah. stuff that they want to do. It's a lot of fun, you know? So in those moments, I think Elaine finally got the benefit from that. So looking yeah. forward to reading more about that i would say yeah go away i found your standout character. i found Charles. that quote from Egwene though before we move on from Egwene, remember i was talking about her, her one about oh Rand? yes so this happens yeah, right so she up. has her third vision and it's the 13 you know merge trying to convert her to being a dark friend or whatever and she passes the test and it's a light okay so she pulls out um a stepped out of the arch uh cold and stiff with anger Uh, She wanted the iciness of anger to counter the searing of memory. Her body remembered burning, but other memories scored and scorched more deeply. Anger cold as death. Is that all there is for me? She demanded to abandon him again and again, to betray him, fail him again and again. Is that what there is for me? And she keeps going on and on. But that's the whole shtick of it. Like, she's like, is that who I am, the person that fails Rand a, a thousand times over? And is that all I'm capable of? So that was a really interesting, like, standout moment for me. And um, Gotcha. Kate Redding did such a good job with that in the audiobook. If you go back, it's ch- at the very beginning of chapter 23. Highly recommend giving that a listen because she really went all in on the, is that all there is for me? <laughs> right, Really, really good. Yeah, well, may- who knows?
0: I- I've i been switching back and forth between audio and uh, and Kindle, and I feel like, yeah, maybe I wasn't read it. Maybe I was on the Kindle for that one, because <laughs> it-, it sounds like you took it differently. I remember reading that line now, and I was just like taking it as Egwene was upset that she was going to keep failing
1: him. Anger. But
0: you took it more as like she's upset that, She's so tied to him.
1: Yeah, well, if you read right before, it's like, her body remembered burning, but other memories scored and scorched more deeply. Anger cold as death. And she steps out of the arch stiff with anger. So she's, like, really PO'd right now. And... Yeah, and I think a large part of that is because she keeps failing Rand and all of these visions and dreams that she has. Like you said, it's like oh man, another Rand thing, and they're all always bad. And she's so frustrated. I think one in that she's always failing, but two in that that seems to be just her role and destiny is to right. be that counterpart to Rand. So, you know, I there's could, a lot yeah. of weird, you know womanizer stuff with matt every so often you get characters like a that are just so amazing and she's oh, like is yeah. this all i am like i'm more than this and that's such a honest true mm. powerful piece because i feel that as the reader i'm like we, we both are like oh great another rand vision but the yeah. character's frustrated too and you kind of nailed it where it's like what's so unique about the wheel of time is that character's are being pulled by their destiny and they get to react to it you know they get to be frustrated by it upset by it they get to fear it or want to turn away from it try to avoid it and it's just so interesting to see how all these different characters are trying to yeah. exist with that
0: it's like they can almost be mad at robert jordan <laughs> <laughs> for do, using them in that way, exactly. and it's like Egwene. We as the readers are like, is this all there is for Egwene? But she's such a great character. Why is she just the person who fails Rand over yeah. and over again?
1: She's like, I can. Like, do she's so got to be like, more and, than and that. And Egwene is light. like, Aren't I? Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: And uh, yeah, it's again one of those like our experience mirroring the characters, and we feel f- we feel for her so much in that moment. No, I think you dug deeper than I did on that one. Like, I think that. W- It's there, right? Like, you can read it as, like, am I just the person who fails over and over again? Uh, And being upset about the failing of Rand. But you can also read it in the way you did to take it both ways of, like, am I bound to just fail Rand over and over again? Like, all I am is a person who interacts with this person and not even a way of succeeding yeah not even a way i have any choice yeah
1: i'm just kind of a set piece in Rand's destiny over and over you know like the thing he gets to pine over and lose constantly you know it's like great can i be more than that please like i can shoot fireballs and make the earth shake and all these other things so um yeah for that that made her really interesting she's definitely maybe my number two but i think matt just steals the show um, yes. He gets to do so many fun That's totally things. Fair. He gets to have all these cheeky moments. He gets to escape the Aes Sedai. He's, like, discovering his, like, I, I'm i gonna call it, for lack of a better word, magic, but it's really just luck in his favor, and he, he doesn't understand it at all. It's still a mystery, but he's for uh, pardon the pun here, rolling with it. And, <laughs> it. and uh, he he's doing a great job of it. And I, it's kind of refreshing to see a character like Matt exist in this world where it's like, yeah, you could try and fight these things or get frustrated by them or you could make the best of it and mm. see how far you can go with your own indulgences, you know, <laughs> and with those bucks. Yeah, exactly. So, for me it was it was Matt. And like you said, like once we started seeing his character and writing from his POV, it's like you really got to see Jordan's writing right. abilities. It's like, wow, this is a character with a really interesting, unique voice in the series that we've had to read three books to get to. It's like what more is Jordan yeah. capable of? And I think he's like discovering these characters and they're they're getting better and Matt's one of those that has benefited by far the most. So, it's Matt and Egwene, I think, are in the top two, and then I just love the treatment of Rand, and we already talked about all the reasons why I love that. But mm-hmm. so I'd say Rand is is in the mix as well, if only for the change in perspective of how we see and read about Rand. If it, more yeah, so the use character. of Rand,
0: yeah. yeah, and yeah, that you make awesome points there, Charles. Totally agree with your thoughts about Matt as someone. It's like. Dude, what what have you been waiting for to get this guy going? <laughs> yeah. And now he's he's finally going. So it has me. I think I ended Dragon Reborn like most excited about the future of our Wheel of Time, uh, buddy. Reed. Uh, oh, great. As I've ever been. I know we're we're just taking in time hiatus. for the hiatus. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but Matt is a big reason for that. Where, yeah, there's always things that Jordan instilled more faith in me as to like what he's capable of and what kind of stuff he's going to bring us. Matt Matt probably does deserve the most improved, uh, even over <laughs> Elaine. Yeah. But that being said, if he's gonna win M V P they're not gonna give the same Person to awards It's kind of the politics of these awards anyway. Yeah. And those yeah. spring events. So I think we I can think give MVP fair. to Matt and still give Most Improved to Elaine, right? Because it's kind of for the like and upstart, maybe give Best Moment to uh,
1: to Egwene. You know. Well,
0: so here's my maybe best moment okay, though, Charles. Let's hear it. It doesn't go to any of those characters. Ooh. It goes to a character that we haven't given a lot of attention to, which is Moraine, and. It's after all of this Balefire built, just constant (laughs) Balefire. Right. It's like over and over again, like Balefire, Balefire. What's Balefire? What is this Balefire thing, wondered Egwene for the thousandth time? Egwene wondering is so
1: frustrating. (laughs) Like, Matt keeps telling me, I'm coming, Egwene. What does that mean? It's like, what do you think that means, Egwene? It means he's coming in your direction. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. But like three times it's like I keep dreaming about Matt saying he's coming, he's coming. Oh, these visions are so confusing, so cryptic. <laughs> what? What could it mean that Perrin was holding an axe and a hammer and saying, I don't know
0: if I want to be a blacksmith or if I want to be a warrior who wields an axe? A it's just so cryptic.
1: A read a book. <laughs> <laughs> read a book. Okay. The... <laughs> She's got some work to do I'll with say... her interpretations. Well.
0: <laughs> Mr. Miller, our English <laughs> teacher from high school, would not be happy with Egwene. This is Charles. Yeah. He was in the AP Mr. English Miller class, and he's not happy. Ode,
1: for sure. He would figure it all out. <laughs>
0: so, yeah. Well, let's not let yeah, Egwene about steal Moraine. the show from Moraine after all this. So we get the Balefire build up so much we get to see her kind of use it but not in like a big st- stake situation and she's kind of just like yeah this is something i really should not do like no one's used this in like thousands of years but i know how to do it and <laughs> there's this moment where Bilal, one of the forsaken is kind of like beating rand yeah right it's right. like oh crap after all of this like rand you won't take calender because basically because someone's asking you to. Uh, but then later, you will. Uh, that was hard to figure I out. I think um, but Bilal he, was
1: trying to force him to take it as a trap. Like, he was trying to trick him to take it so he could then somehow, like, take it for himself. You know what I'm saying? Like, he needed Rand to take uh, it okay. first. So it was a trap. Gotcha. I don't know if that was what Rand was doing or not, but that's what Moraine was kind of saying. Like, oh... Bilal is wants ran to come and take calendar so that he could then use it for himself somehow.
0: Gotcha. I don't remember. All somehow that. I, that went over my head, but uh, yeah, I was kind of uh, confused a little bit by what was going on there. But the point was that Bilal was like doing his thing and he was beating Rand sorta. And then he sees Moraine coming and he's like not taking Moraine seriously. It's right. like, and he's got this line where it's like, this is Belal. I thought you were neatly out of the way, woman. No matter, you are only an annoyance, a stinging fly, a bite me. I will cage you with the others and teach you to serve the shadow with your puny powers. He fished with a contemptuous laugh and raised his free hand. Moraine had not stopped or slowed while he spoke. <laughs> she was no more than 30 paces from him when he moved his hand and she raised both of hers as well. And then she basically just shoots this bar, uh, like balefire, bar of white fire hotter than the sun shot from the Aes Sedai's hands is the line. And she just burns him. In. He's like, no. And she burns him into nothing. Him, yeah. And it's just this beautiful moment of like, I love that line where it's like Moraine had not stopped or slowed while he spoke. So I just imagine this guy like, ha ha ha, like, I it will destroy you. You're just a fly. And she's just like, boom, yeah. like balefire you're dead (laughs) and i'm like moraine you are such a badass i thought of you too because you're always like oh
1: moraine's so proactive that's what makes her so good and like oh she's actually out there shooting fireballs when gandalf never never (laughs) had the courage to do such a thing and then i was like oh dylan's gonna love this
0: (laughs) 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 i'm like dude that's you know i talk so much about the proactive characters and it's like dude like this guy is doing his little, like, James Bond villain bit of talking about his big plans to make you go in a cage and serve the Shadow. And Moraine's like, while he's talking and laughing, I'm just going to shoot fire until this guy incinerates. And I'm like, yeah, you go, Moraine. That's exactly what you should do. And she did it. So, yeah, I, you know, I I sometimes lament that we don't get to see Gandalf use his powers uh, as much as I would hope a a wizard would think to. And all these disastrous situations and Moraine she just gets out there and she does the thing and she did the thing Charles she didn't hesitate beautiful from beautiful moment from Moraine there so that's my standout moment.
1: That's a great moment to pick and uh couldn't have said it better myself that's such a like the rising action that we were always expecting was you know this whole idea of taking calendar and all that but watching Moraine like She's not the dragon reborn, but she knows like, hey, these are the tools, maybe some of them are forbidden or whatever, but I can do them, and like this is what needs to be done and it was so satisfying in those moments to to see the payoff of her actually using the the balefire, and yeah, definitely yeah. moves her into the badass territory for sure, like that was hardcore, yeah, so I
0: I feel like you know we couldn't spoil things in that wizard battle royale episode but i i don't know i feel like what if she just whipped out uh balefire on gandalf i might i don't know man (laughs) that this is a game changer because like well she just did that i feel like there's no one in the competition we did Uh, sorry this might have like no context (laughs) we did an episode where we did a wizard battle royale and like speculate on who would win among four wizards um among them were Moraine and Gandalf and others. And I'm like, I don't know. Well, she just whipped out Balefire on their asses, Charles. That
1: is a very strong card. I mean, Moraine has the advantage of we know what she can do. We, we, and we've seen it. And it's very effective. And so it's like, <laughs> yeah. you know, that, that's, that's hard to go up against, you know, from some of right. these other characters that they can do stuff when it suits them. But we don't know what they exactly what they're capable of. Like, could they potentially dodge a Balefire blast? You don't know. And uh-huh. yeah, that seems hard. It seems very difficult. Uh, certainly, Bilal <laughs> was not able to do it. <laughs> so you know, tough sitch for Bilal. <laughs> yeah, you, you feel bad. He underestimated his opponent. So I don't think we should underestimate Moraine either in, a, in the battle royale, no. which is why she um, earned the number two spot in in that poll, which was well you know well earned. And uh, you know, Gandalf, it's a popularity contest, but we're all impressed with Moraine. Um, yeah, man. Like I feel like we talked about all my favorite moments, like Egwene's trial, Parent in the blacksmith shop, Matt being Matt. Like these are all moments that I really liked. The final showdown. I, I th- there's one moment or a series of moments that you know I I feel like now, Dylan, you are brought into this world and Twitter of time that you can now be a part of, and that is the braid pulling. This uh, was something that you had even asked in our Friends Pitching Fantasy. Like, oh, I've heard there's a lot of braid pulling. So when we cracked the cover on Eye of the World, I was keeping track of it. And I was like, you know what? No one's really pulling their braids yeah. a lot. And then we get to Dragon Reborn and all of a sudden we get Nine Eves POV. And it's like Robert Jordan was sitting at a cafe writing Dragon Reborn. And he's like, oh, pulling the braid? That's an interesting quirk. And just like wrote that into everything she did, you know? And it, it's it so took off interesting. In this book, <laughs> yeah, okay. so I've been tracking this too, because this is
0: like there's there wasn't a lot I knew about wheel of time heading in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and one of the few things I knew was that there was a lot of braid pulling, and and like sm- skirt smoothing is the other mm. one. But braid pulling is like the number one. Just because it's so, it's actually. bizarre about. action, it's like strange. Like skirt smoothing, yeah, you're like, like okay, it's like I people can, do that. People do that. Yeah, yeah. No
1: one pulls on their braids as like a tip. Yeah, you know.
0: Yeah, it's it would be very rare. Yeah, and I was tracking it, and I think we got one, maybe two in the first two books. And there was, I think in eye of the world, I like took note. I was like, Oh, we've got a braid little pole. braid. Po- yeah. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, here it comes. <laughs> yes. And, uh, th- yeah. And in the eye of the world, when that happened, I think there was a little, like, she does that sometimes when she's angry. I'm like, Oh God, it's going to be this big thing. And then crickets, Charles, yeah, crickets, crickets for the longest time. Mm-hmm. It's like, where's like, I was, begging for some braid pulling just to be like where is it so then we get to the dragon reborn and i regretted every bit of wanting to see braid pulling because i i was ready charles i was ready to like dismiss the braid pulling thing as like okay like yeah it's a weird thing but it hardly ever happens all this kind of stuff and then this time uh, another word I searched, Charles, was braid, and it appears 45 times in <laughs> the Dragon Report. That's, that's uh, almost twice as much as uh, Reluctant. How many or times like... does it come up in the Poppy War? <laughs> so
1: <laughs> Less than great six, question. I bet. <laughs> <So> le-
0: <laughs> Less than 45 is yeah. pretty safe. So I think that... <laughs> that's a great question, Charles. You're asking the right questions. <laughs> Didn't think to search that one. So... Then I totally lost my train of thought. <laughs> oh, it's like, yeah, so the brain pulling just started happening a lot. So I did try to, I did what I do, Charles, which is try to make sense of this. Like, why is this happening over and over and over again? And it's when she's irritated, right? right. It's when she's starting to get angry even. And I was like, is this Robert Jordan trying to, like, Use the fact that we know that Nynaeve's channeling depends on her being angry and almost giving us a sign of, like, oh, is it coming now? Is she about to start channeling because she's getting angry? So it's like, did he need this device to be a signal if to he the did, reader? he to write it
1: that way? <laughs> well, well yeah, like, I it, mean, As right, an indicator like, that she's angry,
0: yes, but it is yeah, that, yeah, but it's not this, like, I don't know. We'll see. There's 11 more books she's of braid like pulling to see she's if like, uses I'm it always that way. angry.
1: Boo! <laughs> you don't get that. She has to do a little braid tugging to, to get there. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe that's...
0: We'll see. Because it wasn't like this thing where once she starts pulling the braid, you know the <laughs> channeling is about to come. But it is a thing that we... I think we could use as a sign there that mm. she is going to potentially channel and I was interested if seeing that's a thing that like Robert Jordan uses in the future as kind of this this signpost, hey here it comes. But maybe I'm off.
1: No, that's that's well said. And I also like feel like obviously the braid is a huge part of Nynaeve's identity, like the tie to her world in the two rivers. Yes. And she refuses to let it go. And she refuses – like, she always sees the Aes Sedai as, like, the enemy. Because that's another moment in this book that we didn't talk about where Egwene comes back from her trials and she's crying. And, like, Nynaeve's already holding Elaine in one arm and Elaine's crying. So Egwene just runs into her other arm and she's holding both of them, consoling them. It's like, well, get them for what they did to us. You know, something like that. She's – you know, like, she clearly hates Moraine more than anybody for taking them all out of the two rivers. Right. And she doesn't really like the Aes Sedai. She just wants to learn how to use her power to basically, like, turn it against them or something. So, like, you know that the braid is part of her defiance and all of that. Like, she did like... Mm. Egwene let the braid go a long time ago or refused to ever wear it or whatever the situation was. She started wearing that bow. Yeah, and Nynaeve was like, Have you forgotten where you came from? Them. You know? So I think that's Egwene. It's part of Nynaeve's stubbornness is that she's holding on to that two rivers. She doesn't forget where she came from or what she wants to go back to. And that don't feel like she's one of the eyes to die just because she's like training to be nice said, die like she's doing it for her own reasons and she's very much got her own agenda and so i think it's also a reminder of that a little bit um doesn't make it any less overused though but yeah it's one of those things it's just it, such a bizarre yeah. action so it stands out every time this is kind of funny it, right it's just kind of funny it's just a rite of passage for a wheel of time reader and I'm happy we got you got the experience of reading it forty something times. <laughs> yeah,
0: I, I felt like by the end of it, I was walking through those silver arches. <laughs> Only eleven books to go. <laughs> it was my trial. Yeah, I've yeah. Well, I guess what? How many? I'm yeah. I'm not even a third of the way through, <laughs> nope. so it's not even like I've gone through the <laughs> the first of the three silver arches. Yeah, no. There's a lot more braid pulling, I'm sure, for us to see. And and oh Charles, we didn't get to talk about, it, but can can I get some props for calling the Landfear one? The, yeah, that uh, Celine is Landfear. I I don't think it's officially revealed, um, but it, I mean they don't ever say like at the uh, very
1: very end they say oh Landfear was there or is here or whatever is is involved in it or
0: yeah but they don't say it's Celine Celine's the name yeah. right that like she was using it's just like you can connect that Celine was also described as wearing the same clothes as lanfear and doing the same things <laughs> <laughs> telling people to wield the horn for glory and things yeah. like that right. so it's like yeah they do get the lanfear I-, I can't tell if robert jordan wants us to still not be a hundred percent sure that Celine is
1: lanfear but i was pretty pretty much much how this book ends. was like hey remember lanfear she's around (laughs) so you're like (laughs) you know it's one of those things where it's like yeah Celine is obviously bad news and like suspicious from her from the get-go but yeah you you tapped into um you tapped into it pretty quickly which was very good um yeah It's uh, Uh just one of those things. You know, Robert Jordan, sometimes a little heavy-handed with him being ominous. But I think this was a bit more intentional. I don't think he was ever supposed to be this, like, shocking twist more than it was, like, a slow realization. Like, you know, that kind of thing, you know? Yeah.
0: I think he wants you to know she's suspicious for sure. I don't know if he wants you to know she's Lanfear even still. Like, maybe you're supposed—like, it's hard to say because there's no, like— with Jordan, I kind of expect there to be some moment where it's like, <gasps> Celine is Lanfear. <laughs> it's like, he kind of does do that when he does his reveals, right? right. Like, well. So I, I we're still kind of waiting for that, but it's pretty clear at this point. So I'm going to count myself
1: one for one
0: <laughs> on my theories. <laughs> is that fair, Charles? Uh,
1: you got that one for sure. Um, I haven't really been keeping track. I don't think any of the other ones have been proven or disproven. You know, we got to read eleven more books before we'll so know. So hundred percent. That's not how it works. <laughs> <laughs> but sure. Yeah. <laughs> you're, yeah. You're off to no, a great no. start. I'll say that. Couldn't couldn't do any better. Um, right.
0: And are are we still planning on maybe doing a theorizing episode where we uh, see if where we have at, enough of them to in? do
1: i think that'd be great, especially as we enter our hiatus.
0: I'm sure I could. I could probably fill a half hour or so. Then I, let's do it. Yeah, you know, well,
1: we we've got some time in between. You know, we're picking up a couple of fun books in between book three and book four. Wheel of Time. So it's going to be a few weeks. Got to keep that wheel of time content turning. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Well, we would be remiss if we did not bring up Dylan, the character <laughs> that you've kind of like brought into the twitter sphere is kind of dominating the conversation around our (laughs) wheel of time (laughs) conversations and that is loyal the ogier you made a specific point to talk about loyal and before we wrap it up i want you to 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 tell me what what it is that you want to talk about when it comes to loyal Nah, i don't really want to talk about loyal (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay great everybody thanks for listening <laughs> bum, 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 bum. he started bum, 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 bum. he started <laughs> writing a book Charles he did.
0: Loyal started writing a book he had to have yeah. a
1: reason to stick around you know
0: <laughs> yeah not nah, still trying to figure out what the deal is with Loyal um I I feel like he's he's one of those characters that other people seem to understand the charm of and it's just kind of lost on me right I think like, can, Charles, I'm curious. Are you a loyal fan? You've kind of um, stayed silent on the
1: issue. I, I don't really have a strong opinion on loyal. Like for me, he's kind of interesting, and it's fun to watch um, Matthew Kramer do his deep voice for loyal. He's like Randu studying Shentai <laughs> So like that's kind of fun, but he doesn't he's not the most proactive character there's not a lot that he's servicing plot wise so i just never really thought about him that much it's just funny that he keeps talking about so, being hasty and that's kind of a oh, conversation that we've had before yeah. wheel of time so now it's like okay this is fun you know i'm enjoying this you see this is why this is why it sticks out to me is cuz
0: y- there's something about you reading loyal charles where you're like picking up on this he doesn't really have a role. He's just kinda there. And he's taking up time and, and space and not really doing much of anything. And it characters like that and he's not proactive at all. And characters like that just you move past them and say, like, okay, that's not something to think about. And I just ruminate about like why <laughs> why is this person here? What is going on? And the thing about Loyal is that and this just happens to me with, with tree beard as, as oh, well. Uh, yeah,
1: yeah. Sorry. Yeah, to, don't get into Treebeard. I actually really like it. I was on beard. Twitter today.
0: <laughs> uh, I I don't hide <laughs> my opinions about <laughs> tree beard and, and loyal either. Um, the whole time I'm like, what are you doing here? I, like, Th- this whole thing could be moving along a lot faster if we didn't have to spend time with you. And then what they do is go ahead and invalidate my feelings by telling me to stop being hasty, Charles. Mm. That's what I think does it with these those <laughs> characters. It's like, not only do they have that element of why are you like why are you here? You're you're slowing things down, and I'm not particularly interested. But then they're like. Don't be hasty, Dylan.
1: (laughs) He crossed the path of three Tavirans. He's hopelessly bound into all this adventure now. He's trapped. (laughs) You know, he is read about Tavirans. He's not going to let Aes Sedai control him, Charles. (laughs) Yeah. Well, (laughs) he's next, I guess. You know, you never know. But, um, no, he's, um, you know, that's part of it. It's he's hopelessly pulled into the wake of these other grander characters who are so influenced by the wheel and now he's just in the mix and he's starting to write a book. He just can't quit him. Yeah. He's all in on that. book. I feel like I don't know,
0: maybe Robert Jordan like really likes him. Thinks he's like this insert character or whatever. I think Robert Jordan like,
1: does really like him. Like he's got a lot of charming qualities. He's a really nice guy. He's Willing to stand up for Vail, like, right away. It's like, guard Vail while she's sleeping. He's like, I will guard her until I die. <laughs> like, and then it's like, okay, like, <laughs> you just met this woman, but that's cool. <laughs> like, cool that you're willing to do that. You know, I remember him saying something like, you know, I will defend her as long as I'm still alive. Like, no one will get through this door. I'm like, whoa, loyal. <laughs> that is some <laughs> commitment. <laughs> So you yeah, know, he's got these charming qualities, but he doesn't like do anything for me in particular. He's there, you know, he's fine, he's fun. He's a little, you know something interesting. It's fun when they're rolling into town and everyone's like, Whoa, oh, it's an ogre and how different cities react to gear Some like think they're he's a trollic, others like, Oh, we have an ogier bed for you. Like, we've been waiting, you know? So it's it's kinda interesting to see the different reactions and it just adds a little spice to Robert Jordan's world, I think, you know, another point of view, another perspective. Yeah, another well race. here's here's where I'll go with that, Charles. I think there's
0: plenty of spice already <laughs> in Robert Jordan's very spicy. <laughs> world. And there's there's a lot of awesome things. I think as we keep moving through the series or even just three books in, I see it breathing more and coming into its own more and That goes for the world, the plot, and the characters, all of them, uh, even loyal. Um, But all of them are starting to just develop and find their voice, I guess, in a way that I hadn't seen before. So I think I might even say so far each book has been better than the last for me with Wheel of Time. Yeah, I, I think I can say that with confidence so far. That's
1: fair. I I, I kind of agree. i yeah. realizing that I agree. Yeah, that's true.
0: <laughs> right. And I imagine, <laughs> I imagine from what I've heard that there will be a slog at some point. I can't really reasonably expect it to just get better and better with each mm. book. But I don't know, Charles. I feel like... Here's what I thought. If I'm being if I'm being asked about where I was heading into this series, Charles, okay. with how hasty okay. I can be, I thought that three books in, I would be really ready to take a like a big break, and I'd be like, I'm really glad we're going on this hiatus. And I'm still. I'm not. I'm not trying to mess up your awesome reading schedule. <laughs> you put all the work in on there, Charles. I'm happy to do our hiatus, but I I thought I'd be like so burned out by this point that i'd really want to change but this is like the most excited i've been about wow. Wheel of time uh coming off of the third book and i was a little like almost disappointed <laughs> i couldn't go in and start the fourth one which is it's not where i thought i'd be after three long books i thought i'd be looking for something different but i'm in i'm in That's charles awesome
1: to hear i mean i kind of feel the same way i'm a I'm a little bit looking forward to the hiatus. I mean, it's only a few weeks. It's not that long. And like Robert Jordan, go his books are long, right? I don't know if they're meant to be marathon through the entire way. And I, I'm looking forward to a few weeks break. But like you said, the books have been getting better with every passing. And I'm excited to watch these characters grow. I think what makes this book so much better than the first one is that we get less lord of the rings parallels and more robert jordan's voice and we're finally letting these characters grow out of those parallels and into the world that robert jordan's built so we're starting to see a lot of the payoffs of jordan's yeah. creativity and it's really exciting like we learned we've learned more about the magic systems of sayadar and siadine which i think are so creative um and I really am just interested to see where they go. And we've got, you know, can't forget about the Demani, can't forget about like the stuff Perrin can do and Matt can do. And Elaine can do. And I mean, not Elaine, Egwene can do. So like, Hey, <laughs> like, Elaine, 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 some credit, most improved player. <laughs> most improved. But I'm talking about like, for lack of a better word, magical abilities. Like Perrin can be a wolf brother and Egwene <laughs> can walk in dreams, you know, like all these things. So, like, learning more oh. about all those. Can we
0: mention that Hopper the Wolf is basically, I don't know if this, can I, can I spoil episode four of Star Wars, like, literally the first ever Star Wars? <laughs> it's not, like, a big spoil. Uh,
1: like, okay, like, just be warned if you don't want Star Wars spoiled, I think you can kind of, you know... But hey, we're almost at the like, end. Like thank here. you for listening. Go to Twitter, like <laughs> yes. liking like and all that stuff. Rate five stars. Rate five stars. <laughs> thank you. And um, thanks for listening, man. You, that was really awesome. I'm glad we didn't spoil Star Wars for you. Go watch it. It's a great movie. Um it's such a yeah, it didn't even war, I think. It's just that Hopper's like the Obi
0: Wan uh, kind of yeah. for because right? like Hopper is like dead, but in Perrin's Dreams and kind of in his right. head, He's like a spiritual like, guide telling him of. to use the force. Yeah. It's like, yeah, so I guess the spoiler is the that Obi Wan dies in episode I don't four, think which is, is a spoiler, like, come on, but, you know, we, like, you try you hard here
1: not to spoil anything. So, we try so hard, and It'd be ashamed to ruin yeah. Star Wars for someone out there, <laughs> yeah, that
0: would be a shame. So, but yeah, Hopper's kind of that uh, equivalent, right? Yeah. where... Kind Of in parents' head, kind of mentoring him like his mentor is basically a wolf, <laughs> which or, or his a
1: wolf is basically his mentor. Yeah, I was It's probably say a better way a wolf, to phrase uh, that. It's like he's definitely a yes. wolf, <laughs> <laughs> but a wolf is basically uh, his mentor. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah that's an interesting I'm about thing. that, yeah, I'm about it too. It's interesting, you know, it's different, oh. And it fits into parents' personality in an interesting way. So, I'm looking forward to reading more yeah. about it. He's starting to maybe sure. use it more, and like it's interesting to see him accept it more, which is what we want from yeah. a lot of these characters. Young bull, young bull, that's right. Parent, <laughs> yeah. As yeah. He some great names in throughout the series, and it's just another example. Yep, oh, such an imaginative series. I'm always impressed by the creativity of it, the expanse of it, like how much fun it is, and we can talk more about the magic systems and stuff in future episodes, but is there anything else you right. wanted to mention about the dragon reborn before we get out of here? Just that
0: I'm sure we'll be, even though we keep saying hiatus, I'm sure we'll be coming out with more wheel of time content in the meantime to oh yeah, keep talking about this awesome series and try to have some fun with where we're at right now. And,
1: See what kind of episodes we can get cooked yeah, up. Yeah, we'll be back in like a very, month's time but yeah. with a book discussion. But in between now and then, we will be talking about Wheel of Time in throughout. So don't worry. The conversation won't stop. We're just going to read a few other books in the meantime for all those people that have not read Wheel of Time and want us to talk about other books. <laughs> it's hard to read 14 <laughs> books straight, you know. Uh, so, yeah, this is another great work. And... You know, really excited to get into book four and appreciate you all for listening. Should we get into that sweet, sweet outro music? Let's get into that sweet, sweet outro music, Charles. All righty then. Thank you, everybody, for listening to yet another very exciting episode of the Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast. Uh, If you like what you heard today, check us out on Twitter over at the FTF Podcast with a number one at the end. You can also check us out on Instagram and Facebook at the FTF Podcast. If you want to send us a message, you can always email us at the Podcast at gmail.com. Now, Dylan, if... If someone was listening to our show on Apple Podcasts and they really liked what they heard and they wanted to support the show in a way that was free and super helpful to us, what could they do? Toss five stars to
0: our podcast. Yep. Just go inside that Apple podcast app, find the Friends Talking Fantasy page, scroll down until you start seeing stars. Once you're seeing stars, the best number to support the show would be to click five of those. Yep. Uh, if you do have a little bit of extra time and you want to write a review, that is always appreciated. But just listening, getting to the end of this Dragon Reborn episode is More than enough. Thank you
1: so much for doing that. Thank you for listening all the way to the end. We greatly appreciate it. And as always, go forth and conquer, friends.